This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, presented by MyBookie, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to All Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Aaron Mike Spears. Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm hanging in there. You know, it, it's real fall hours up in the compound, you know had to go get a haircut today and i was like noticing the least change i was like oh it's that time of year already so like real normie like middle-aged shit uh how are you holding up there ab i'm okay i had to work way too much today and i'm pissed off about it so uh, a lot to do going to visit my mother so i uh, needed to get additional work done you're gonna be a lake boy late well too cold probably to be a lake boy at this point but We'll see. I, I mean, you don't have to go out on the lake. Just by being at the lake, you're a lake boy. That's true. My mother says, you just have to bundle up. You can still go out on the boat. And I'm like, fuck that. Why would I want to like ride around on a boat in the cold? What What do I gain from that? I mean, being on the boat, away from to. society, humanity, be alone with your thoughts. I mean, you might not want to be alone with your thoughts, but... No, that sounds miserable. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> okay, well, uh, we're also joined by a man who... Loves being alone with his thoughts. <laughs> it's Nate, aka Epitasis. What's up, Nate? How are your thoughts? Um, uh, how are my thoughts? How are my thoughts? <laughs> well, let let me ask you this. Invasive. <laughs> Invasive. Intruding. Uh, well, here's what I want to know. Did at any point in your life did you used to watch all types of promotions? <laughs> <laughs> um. Yes. I did. <laughs> okay, just wondering. <laughs> it's something I've been thinking about. I'm so uh, glad I finally get the reference now. <laughs> I was quite literally just listening to our special edit of that uh, before I got on the call here. Um, so, but I don't remember the second line. You got to get later in it for this stuff to uh, really stick with me. But nowadays, come on. I'm sorry. The, oh, the, no, that's the line. Oh. <laughs> Come on. Okay. <laughs> yep. No, can't, can't, uh, can't propel the bit any further than that. I'm afraid. I'm also mad about work. Um, yeah. so we got, we got some moody boys. This is street fight on the show them. tonight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fucking I, work. It's a pain. Who needs it? I Get will rid not of be, it. I would not be hedonism to Mike though. Cause I know <laughs> Brian's had a turn. I, I, I refuse to be publicly horny. Uh, respect that. Yeah, we, um, I think Aaron's got that corner covered. <laughs> and I take care of for everybody. I will not be wearing a collar with my name, uh, with my name on it. Did you have a studded collar at one type? Because you're the one person on the show that I expect that would have a like. Yeah, a it's not. Collar. That's not out of uh, the realm of possibility, <laughs> right? For you, yeah, having really? a spiked collar around. Yeah, yeah. Of all people on the show. Yeah, so I mean, I, I guess I, we wouldn't call it a collar. A choker. You might have a, a choker. Yeah, a are, spike choker. Are you guys saying this as like? I was a punk rock kid or like I'm a yeah. horny boy. Punk, I, I, yeah, I mean, don't those punk rock. I don't know yeah. that I'd go all the way to punk rock, but 
like punk adjacent emo whatever you were doing right <laughs> I, yeah whatever that wherever that intersects intersects with christian metal okay i first of all first <laughs> of all uh by japanese lesson the other day i was supposed to bring pictures from a trip right and i Wait, it gives you homework what is this oh lots of homework jesus so i was like but then I was telling her about something and she's like, Oh really? I was like, yeah, let me find that picture. And I'm like scrolling through my phone and I came across this picture of me from when I was in college. Oh God. And I showed it to, uh, showed it to my, uh, tutor and she said, punk this. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so I think I was punk Nate. Okay. I, you know, that owns that owns. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she probably just doesn't know the, uh, the Japanese word for adjacent. That's probably what it was. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but I did not take the time to explain uh, Christian metalcore to her. I didn't think that was really. But anyway, no. So no collar, no no choker. Uh, no, I'm pretty weird about my throat generally. Mm. Uh, I like to be touched there. Uh, don't mm. like clothes to touch me there. Just mm, no. Don't want anything around my throat. This is yeah. this is actually playing against your uh, your you know public perception as the horny one. Yes. No, I, I, no, do not choke me. If we, if, <laughs> if anyone is listening to this and we eventually have sexual relations, uh, don't choke me. I'm not into it. I do not consent to it. Mike Spears has left this call. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's just, it's good for people to know, I think. Yeah. You know, oh, no. I, my I, boundaries. I, yeah. I, absolutely. It's more specifically, I don't, we're good. We're good. <laughs> Moving along. Yeah, no, Moving next along. next segment. Yeah, All right. Good. So if, if you want to tell us about your chokers, uh, feel free to do so uh, over on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. And if you want to get real specific, uh, Mike is at Fuji. So hit him up. I mean, I, I know I have lights on, but I could already feel my skin looking like that. It's like <laughs> a, a nice solid pink at this moment. <laughs> Uh, subscribe to the podcast please give us a five-star rating give us a review if you use the apple podcast app and if you would like to support the show uh, you can do so over at patreon.com slash everything elites first of the month great time to subscribe uh, we'll tell you later in the show what's coming up this month on the patreon on the show tonight we will play elite or delete we will run down this week's dynamite episode 52 by the way we'll talk about ratings we'll talk about uh, dynamite coming up next week and uh yeah that's what we're going to talk about so as we do let's get started with elite or delete delete elite delete elite mike are you actually still putting that in i just wonder i mean i don't listen back to the show so you could have just stopped doing this and i would not know I absolutely put this in each time. Don't question my integrity as an editor. Come no, on. I don't. I'm just saying you could get away with it, and I wouldn't know. So I, I, I mean, I, I feel like you would know if I did not put it in there because you'd either get a bunch of response saying "Thank God that's out of the show" or going, right. "Hey, where is it? I like that soundbite. It was uniquely y'all, and that's the only soundbite y'all use." <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what's funny is that we don't use like drops in the show, just that one. So that's kind of funny. It's because I do not have like a soundboard at ready, just constantly like hammering in drops and being really annoying with it. Like, like that's my production note. There is if I had the soundboard to just constantly drop in like really bad sound drops, I absolutely would. Yeah, I think it's pretty funny. So we could do that. Maybe, maybe in the future. All right, uh, Nate, we'll start with you. Your elite pick of the week. 
So I thought this episode kind of overachieved, at least overachieved as compared to my expectations for it. And I really think the uh, best exemplar of that and also one of the highlights of the show, the main event here, John Moxley and The Butcher, um, you know, there's uh, a lot of a lot of hay made about how much AEW gives away on television. But this was a great example of how they really gave away nothing and still got like a meaningful main event out of it, which I think is pretty cool. Like, you know, I was kind of expecting, oh, they might do Moxley and Penta here. Maybe they do Moxley and Phoenix, which are both matches that I would really like to see. But you also, uh, to echo Kenny Omega, you kind of want to see Phoenix and Penta in a bigger position for a match like that, right? You, I don't want Penta to be a guy that Moxley just beats on television, and then that's the end of that. But we got the, a little bit of the swerve here with John Moxley facing Eddie Kingston's hand-picked opponent. No, Siri, I'm not talking about fencing. Um, uh, Eddie Kingston's <laughs> hand-picked opponent of The Butcher. They set it up really well with... Uh, the camera work in particular with Moxley facing the outside of the ring and then the butcher just sort of stalking up behind him. Uh, the butcher went on to wrestle what I have to imagine was like the singles match of his life, uh, you know, in all things considered a pretty strong match here. And it felt like, you know, it just didn't feel like a throwaway TV main event. It was like, hey, we're getting a uh, unique, meaningful main event match here out of a guy who was, you know, basically a tag wrestler on beyond a year ago at this time and now he's like in a main event tnt singles match uh and getting you know all sorts of shout outs from west side gun um so i just thought that was really cool it's something where i i err on the thing of that they are doing so much all the time and doesn't let things breathe but given that this was the second taping that they had after pretty much having to rewrite the next few weeks because of covid this was like a good opportunity for Butcher uh, as someone who was able to perform and John Moxley to have a title match that I mean, when I like compare it back to stuff like the dreadful uh, Jake Hager TV match and like just like general like stuff about like how these TV title matches sometimes have been kind of a little bit strained and I'm just like, all right, wrap it up here. This one told like a really cool story. And I think like that was something that, you have something that's essentially meaningless. There was like no doubt that that Moxley was going to retain, but providing enough story and enough like good framework within the match that you do get at least the slightest kernel of doubt in your brain about like, hey, Moxley's knee is going out and it might not go out this week, but against uh, Lance Archer, that's going to be a major like topic of conversation, and that's going to be something he has because he'll have like three title matches in four weeks. So, like, that is, like, a very interesting thing to do there. And then, yeah, as you said, like, Butcher, like, taking advantage of the opportunity. Eddie being great in the lead-up here. And shout-outs to Bryce. Bryce, like, has quietly kind of become, like, their number one referee, I, I feel like. And bring him out there. And, I mean, he's someone that is an improv performer in a past life. So, he's able to be, like, comfortable out there going, like, Eddie, I've known you for so long. I feel like it all kind of compelled together and has, like, kind of tied up this like mini two-week story in a really satisfactory way so as everybody knows i'm a huge uh, build pervert and so i've been thinking a lot about where does this go and who is who is mox's opponent for full gear so he was supposed to face um archer 
right? And we we lost that, or we had the big six man, you know, but it was going to lead to that, I think. And then now, we, and kind of out of nowhere, Eddie Kingston has to be the opponent. And then we get this next thing, you know, Mike just said this two week story. But now I'm interested of like, are they, is this actually going further than that? Like, is this a bigger story? There's not an obvious challenger for Mox's title for full gear. So could it be? I mean, I my concern is that like Phoenix or Pentagon is not a main of at this point is not a main event pay-per-view match. Uh, I guess the other possibility, and I'd actually uh, forgotten about this until uh, Wikifaze pointed this out to me. If Pac is coming back, he is affiliated with Pentagon and Phoenix in canon. So that would make sense. And that's a main event pay-per-view match. But I wonder if you guys think this is just, okay, we had to do this little Eddie Kingston thing, and now he'll move back to Archer, or if this tells us something about where they're going for full gear. I My assumption is that they want to go back to Archer, but I almost, you know, that was going to be a TV defense. If you right. move that into being a pay-per-view defense, then I think it kind of hurts Archer a little bit more if you're going to beat him at the pay-per-view. Um, but I also don't think you want Archer winning because we just had Brody Lee basically be the giant who came out and squashed the valiant baby face so it's kind of the same story there um so my my presumption is they go back to archer i kind of think it's more interesting if we push that off a little bit and, and just kind of explore what's happening with the <clears throat> eddie kingston family here i have been you know uh, uh pushing that pack should be the guy to unseat moxley and saying if he just shows up out of the blue you know they sort out the travel situation and he's just a shocking surprise comes out, kills the guy, then he can go and kill the guy on the pay-per-view. Like, that hugely gets over. He's obviously super credible. And I think that's a great thing to do for, like, the next story with the world title there. Um, so that that would be a, another great route. But I, I actually kind of object to the idea that maybe Pentagon in particular is not a main event guy. Uh, if you go back to All In, Pentagon and Omega was, like, the top push singles match on that show. Uh, and delivered and got big time over um and i i think he's just regarded more as a star by you know your sort of uh uh casual hardcore wrestling fan uh, i mean at least at least not less than mjf and mjf was the headliner on the last pay-per-view so i kind of think you have all those options to them options open to them and that's kind of one of the things that i continue to enjoy is you know, people don't have one feud building at a time. They've sort of got different relationships with people coming in and out of focus. And when you lose somebody like Archer on in the story and you can just plug Eddie Kingston in, uh, that's why that's it's to your advantage to have that sort of stuff uh, always lurking in the background. Yeah, and uh, just like uh, two, two things to wrap up this up. It, it's something where it's very interesting because now they have this contendership tournament that's going to be going on that at least the way they presented it is that the finals will be at full gear, but it also says, I'm looking at the official tweet from this is it's a huge eight man tournament, single elimination. The finals will be at full gear where the winner will receive a shot at the AEW world championship. So I don't know if that means that whoever he's going to defend against after Archer on the 14th will be on full gear. The person who wins the tournament earlier that night. But if it's not, there's like a lot of ways to go with this. You're never going to hear me object about Pac being champion. Like, let's face the facts there. And th there is like a perception difference. I think that for people who've been, for lack of better words, inundated by Penta 
as much as like you have Nate over like the last few years and a lot of people that like maybe it is that we have a different perception gap to what like the overall fan base has and we there was the interview of Kenny Omega today where he was talking about how they should be doing more with the Lucha Brothers and how they both should be like big stars and that could very easily be like a future and I mean if and if it turns out that this title match is going to happen after like the all or the full gear title match is going to happen because the winner wins a match earlier on that show I mean you already have Phoenix in that tournament so there you go it's built in so there's a lot of ways to go with this it's pretty interesting like I, I think all of us are on the same page that now it's going to be him versus Archer on the 14th and he's going to beat Archer like n- n- none of y'all neither of y'all think that Archer's going to win that match right no, no I, I think I think Omega is beating Moxley I think Omega's winning this tournament and beating Moxley in the to same become... no I, I don't think so I think they can build that up for the next pay-per-view yeah that's sort okay. of the that's a huge match I, I would want to uh sell that match they don't have uh like reliably accurate social media information so it's so hard to <laughs> right. discern whether that uh <laughs> language is meaningful on when the title shot will occur but I don't know I kind of if I'm if I'm so what they're doing with Omega and Page is like kind of annoying, but also kind of interesting. I kind of think the ne- the interesting thing to do there is just have Page fuck Omega like he did the Young Bucks and cost him a match in the tournament because he's like, no, I want to be your tag partner, man. Then you get the feud between the two of them because I think you hold off on going back to Omega and Moxley. I think maybe you have somebody else take the belt, belt from Moxley first, like a pack, and then you can have Omega come and be the next guy up. But you can hold it off till February, right? I mean, you don't have to, even if he wins at full gear, you don't have to do that match until that next pay-per-view. So, I mean, that's still a, a good ways away. I mean, to me, I think Oakgan made this point in a DM that like, it. this makes sense to me that Omega beats Hangman at full gear in the finals of the tournament, the singles tournament to get the shot at Moxley. Uh, so, I mean, that's at least makes sense, even though I'm kind of with you, Nate, that it's more fun to me if they draw out a longer feud between Omega and, and Hangman. Although also like you, they're kind of wearing out my patience <laughs> with the stupid shit that they're kind of doing. So anyway, uh, I just, I'm interested of, of where Mox is going uh, and where we're going with full gear. I don't think we have a, a strong indication of that yet, but uh, Mike, your elite pick from this week. So my elite pick of this week continues to be, I feel like that, that this person or their segment has been one of our elite picks pretty much like every week. And it is, it is the best man, Miro. It is Kip Sabian. And of course it is the gamer of the century, Billy Mitchell, because it's something that I think a lot of people who are already predisposed to write off Miro are going to, this will like provide them with more ammunition in their mind that Miro is a geek. But instead, you have something like this. You get into a point of like consciousness with like how how big King of Kong was, like Steve Weeby and Billy Mitchell. And you're playing out with this. You're in Florida. All he's doing is going to drive up from Ricky's uh, wings to do this. And then you have someone who's going to be like such like a natural thing there. But and, and playing off this. But my favorite part of this thing was uh, the uh, fascination that Miro has of Rumspringa that cracked me up like enough that like I went back and watched like the full cut of this, like several times, like Miro's uh, I I like to believe that Miro 
like came across him like Amish and discovered what Amish people were when he moved to the States. And now he's completely fascinated by the idea of the idea that Amish teenagers go with the English and they go party a whole lot and they decide whether or not if they want to return to the Amish community or not. That just cracked me up. And honestly, that was one of the funniest things I think I've seen on a wrestling TV show in a long time. And I know that law that is just innately my mind palace in saying that, but big fan of Billy Mitchell coming on. He is still the gamer of the century. Guinness has reinstated his records and I'm glad to see, I'm excited to see where this goes. Cause it, it does look like that. This is going to have like some weird fallout here. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think when Billy Mitchell came on, I blacked out for the rest of the episode. Uh, <laughs> it was just, it really hit me in all the right quadrants. Um, he's, you know, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't think necessarily think that he's like a big get or that King of Kong was especially big. Like the audience for video game documentaries is pretty small. I mean, it did, it does have like, you know, a general story appeal, but, uh, he's a tremendous, his cast is a tremendous heel in that movie. Uh, and seeing him in pro wrestling is like perfect. Um, him is like the, the stream teams, Colonel Rob Parker would be perfect. I was very tickled by it. I was very tickled by the people that were mad about it. Um, yeah, it, it's it's good. I think that's all there is to it. Somebody tweeted this, but I love that uh, Biro said another Rumspringa, as if Kip Sabian is Amish and once went on Rumspringa. <laughs> Does he like hear English and that's what he's thinking? I don't know, but it's very funny to me. Uh, I've never seen The King of Kong also. Might have to be uh, uh, Everything Elite Movie Night pod here. I was thinking, I about, mean... I was thinking about that since I haven't seen it. Uh, tremendous, but... tremendous watch. I think it was kind of big, though, Nate, because I know it was like in my periphery. I just never got around to it. I think it was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, I mean. I mean, it's not big with like the the mainstream or anything. Right. We're, we're talking about like big in the context of Oscar nominated documentaries. <laughs> yeah. I just think like movie nerds probably all saw it uh, other than me, apparently. And uh, gaming nerds. So a lot of nerd crossover for King of Kong. Well, hey, that's the perfect spot for wrestling. So. That's right. Uh, okay, I think that makes it my turn for uh, Elite or Delete. And uh, I'm going to give some love to Chris Jericho. And not only because this match with Isaiah Cassidy was a shitload of fun, but also, like, I'm not sure that Jericho gets enough credit for, like, doing this stuff. You know, like, can you imagine, I don't know, Steve Austin coming out and, and bumping for Isaiah Cassidy or especially like the legends of the past, you know, they would have never, that's like a, a famous thing, right? Among wrestling legends of like, well, you haven't paid your dues yet. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bump for you. And Jericho, the whole first part of this match was him just like getting Isaiah Cassidy over, like selling big time for all of fucking Isaiah Cassidy's offense. Who's never had a singles match in this promotion. So I just think uh, Chris Jericho deserves a lot of credit for being a guy willing to help people get over. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. But more important than just that he does it, I think, because we kind of, I don't know, we kind of like uh, assume that he does it. I don't know. He's kind of like, you're right that I guess he doesn't get enough credit because we're kind of like, oh, yeah, it's just Jericho. Like he does, he does that. But he also like goes out there and performs and puts on again a, uh, a match that overachieved, I thought, a match that was, you know, or at least surprisingly better than my expectations. And you compare that to, when basically they tried to use Chris Jericho to get Fandango over and do a big build to Fandango beating 
Chris Jericho at WrestleMania, and it meant just absolutely nothing, and the match was absolutely nothing. Uh, when Chris Jericho like goes 50-50 with somebody in a match and then you know squeaks out a win with them here, or even you know gets pinned by them, um, or near pinned by them with like Scorpio Sky or Jungle Boy, it's just like it it's executed better and it means more. Like him having a singles match with Isaiah Cassidy definitely did more for Isaiah Cassidy than Fandango beating Chris Jericho wrestling. It just, I don't, it, it feels more earned. Maybe it's just because the match is better, but I, I, actually what it probably is, is probably just a symptom of the WWE booking where it's like everything, you know, feels phony and put on. Uh, and it just feels like, Oh, the office booked Fandango to go over Chris Jericho. Who cares? Whereas here it's like, I don't know. You just buy into it more. Yeah. And it's not just that you buy into it. You could tell that he's like enjoying this. Like it's something that we go back to like Darby jungle boy. He's done stuff with sky, even though sky is obviously not, not any sort of a rookie or anything. Like but he likes these kind of things. And he's in a position now where, especially in AEW where Chris Jericho ain't going to do anything. He doesn't want to Chris Jericho is at the age of his career. I mean, they're having a whole entire episode that's devoted to his hubris next year, next week. Like, he chose to do this, and he did this in a way that, I mean, you get the kind of, like, sense that he's someone who enjoys doing these kind of things. And as you were saying, like, this would never happen 15 years ago. This would never, never happen 30 or 40 years ago, other than it's like, you're coming in here, and you're going to make my local up-and-comer look great. So, like, it just was, like, just, like, a nice thing, and then, like, like as you were saying, like Isaiah Cassidy like overperformed, and it's one of those things like you come out of these matches and you're just like, hey, no, like, good for you, Chris Jericho. Like the, the like the, there's a lot of things in Chris about Chris Jericho that you don't have to be comp- that you shouldn't be complimentary about, but like his willingness to do something like this and seeing of his own design, I think is something to be as celebrated as one can be about something like this. I thought that this rock, and I thought that this was a cool thing for him to do. And maybe that's the difference is that. You know, in WWE, presumably they told him he was going to be working with Fandango and putting him over. And now he's clearly picking who he wants to work with. So I'm sure that's some of it. Yeah. And we, we went through that whole thing without mentioning, oh, yeah. And he put over uh, Orange Cassidy in a multi match feud. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like he's like, dude, I fucking got Orange Cassidy over. I mean, I know he didn't, but I'm th- he's thinking this. He's like, now let's put it on hard mode. Can I get <laughs> Isaiah Cassidy over? You know, maybe he's just fond of Cassidy's. Oh, oh, actually, I did not put that together. Very impressive, Nate. Well, you said you said both of them in, <laughs> in uh, a close amount of time. <laughs> it's pretty easy. Yes. All right. Well, uh, let's look at some things that we did not like on this show. So, Nate, what would you delete from the show? Um, what would I delete? What would I delete? I didn't pick anything <laughs> to delete. Um. <laughs> I don't it know. Was, I kind of liked. Everything. It was a mostly good show for sure. Um, okay, I'll just take the the easy one. Uh, they gave away Ricky and Darby, Ricky Starks and Darby Allen. I guess Dave just tweeted that it did a really big number, and I guess that's what they want to do in the first match of the show is put on a big match that people want to see, and that's going to be a high work rate match. And it was a great match. Um, but you know, we've talked about giving away stuff on TV in this promotion. And I understand they want to also have stuff that draws people to the television because it's a television-based promotion. I guess I kind of – I'm just fond of the traditional card layout where the most important things go on at the end of the show. I feel like this would have 
I would have excused them giving a, th- this match away in general as, as part of this feud if it was like the main event and there was like big main event on Dynamite this week. It's the match we've all been waiting for and they built it up that way. But they kind of just did it in the first match and it's like, oh yeah, here's this thing that we've been doing for however long. And, and it's happening right now. I don't know. Just It, it kind of... Uh, it just kind of minimizes it in my mind, and that's uh, that's too bad. But it was a great, it was a great match. Just uh, there's just a lot of great straightforward matches on this show, um, and I guess it did a big number. So it, uh, you know, pretty hard to really find issue with it. it. It's something where, like, yeah, they gave it away, but it's also putting it where it did shows a lot of confidence. I feel like knowing how they do, like both starting off hot and then also the importance they put on the quarter one quarter five and quarter eight so it it, it is something like that but like also i definitely sense that this was something that i was like oh well uh we have half a roster here of our roster that's available right now what are we going to do here what are we going to do here so it's not necessarily that i give them a mulligan or i think they deserve a mulligan with this it was something that's like okay i understand why you did this even though I personally like this is a match that I feel like I mean like I made my comment about the new four pillars of AEW and these are two of the members I feel like that would be on it and you're having them open up the show and it's something I hope they revisit I feel like this match rocked but yeah no that this definitely had the air of giving away something those those must be Patreon exclusive pillars because I don't think I've heard this before I mean I do okay so my pillars are Sammy Guevara whoa 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 don't give away our our Patreon exclusives (laughs) I didn't know if this is something that I mentioned elsewhere. On I actually, show. I actually don't know if you did. I'm just. Oh, just you haven't kidding. done it on this show, so I'm pretty sure you've just done it on Patreon. Yes. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, those two, Sammy, and I believe that Jungle Boy. Got it. All right, I respect that. Uh, my take on this match is that clearly Darby and Cage is the big match in this story. Like that's how when they they debuted Cage to like take out Darby uh, and they've had their things. And Ricky is, I think, envisioned as like the underling for Brian Cage. But they almost fucked up in like letting Ricky become too big of a star (laughs) quickly. So it's like now that now this feels like a huge, important match and beating Ricky feels like too much to have to do to get to Cage. So I like I understand what they're doing and. You know, if you're going to go through with it, that's fine. Uh, but this did become something bigger where you could have called an audible and, and put this down the road. Yeah, that it, it's like a good problem to have, right? They're like, they're like, oh, we're going to throw Ricky Starks at Darby as part of his, you know, his quest to get at Brian Cage. But then it's like, oh, wait, we accidentally got Ricky Starks super over. He turned out to be really good. And he made, he, you know, he made it personal with these good promos and attacks and stuff. So he kind of stole the focus away, which is you know, not really a problem. It's like, you know, kind of a good thing because, you, you know, you have another tool in your toolkit. But yeah, it does. If we're looking at it strictly as, you know, what makes sense for like an escalation of this of this story, then you're kind of like, oh, that's, that's curious. Of course, the other thing is that many of Darby's best matches are against guys who are a lot bigger than he is. He had a, a really cool match with Walter in Evolve. He's had good matches with Keith Lee. It's just like him versus Cage, Still, I'm excited about it. It's still going to be a lot of fun, but it doesn't feel as important uh, as this match does. All right, Mike, I think I know where you're going, but uh, what was your elite pick of the week? Revving it up. The tick copter's coming out. (laughs) Time for me to, time for the tick copter to come out. 
All right. Dick Chopper. So, the Dick Chopper. I mean, you might have a chopper. I, I have a Dick Copter. Okay. So now, so are you are you dropping these from the copter? Is that is that how we're, oh. it's like a you bomb the takes? Oh 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 no! I'm 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 right now hanging outside that of the take copter with a giant bullhorn screaming it out. Oh okay, I got it. Yeah, I I mean I'm the just crazy saying leaflets. Man. You know, leaflets are highly recommended. No. That you always got to be firing. No 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 yeah no no I'm just like <laughs> here we go. Uh, let's talk about FDR and let's talk about fitting the uh, the uh, cube into the uh, the the <laughs> English the, the cylindrical hole on the, the tag team division. <laughs> This is going great. Like I was like revved up and uh, like I will, show. I will not make a helicopter crash joke. <laughs> the uh you We're made it gonna... harder you made it harder on yourself because you went with the 3D version of the shapes instead yes, of just saying yes, yes. put a square into a circle, you had to make it a cube into a cube cylinder. cylinder. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. This is going great already. So uh, I have a question for the two of y'all. How would you describe the house style for the tag team division? Um like pwg sprints yeah okay it's like they're like sprints but they're long <laughs> yeah yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah pwg, PWG PW... sprints where super dragon did not give the guys any sort of guidance for how long they should go and <laughs> right. they're like yeah we're for sure getting all our shit in and i think it's fair to say that the idea that the house style derivative of the pwg sprint which is derivative of the dragon system sprint is pretty much something that i could say with good uh accuracy that about 90 percent of the tag division that, that is their best style is that referring to like the bucks hey man and page they work that style pretty well seu they can drift in and out uh the Jurassic express uh private party that's all they know how to do lucha, uh, bros. lucha bros i mean lucha bros i mean the, the best of getting our shit in and then you have ftr who are doing this southern style imitation that they have like this match that it's a 20 minute time limit match and you're forcing teams that like was this match a bad match no like it was competent it it, it happened it was a match i was like all right i can't like say this is a bad match but you ever walk away from a match they're like that's competent but i utterly hated it that's how i felt about this match and it's just like it's so frustrating because this tag team division and ftr performed so much better doing the style. Like FTR's best match in the promotion, I would wager, is the eight-man tag they had at one of the weeks of Fighter Fest, where it was pretty much just an all-out sprint. The, the eight-man, that was them and Bucks versus uh, Lucha Brothers and Butcher and Blade. Like that was, I, I feel like that was their best match they've had in this promotion. But they keep on bogging this down, and now we're up to almost like five months of this. And at, at like a certain point, like you, you, you could see like the frustration and like the way of that they're not very good at doing this style. And I think a lot of people look at them with like NXT blinders for a long time instead of looking at who they are. And it's not that they're a bad team. They're just not, they just don't fit in a way. And I feel like that without them fitting cor correctly or like them being willing to adapt this and they have to do like this kind of match that it's just like a slog. And they just get, and it's one of those things that like, I guess we're supposed to be building up to the Bucks and FTR, which was supposed to be a dream match three years ago. I can't care about that whatsoever. Like it's like it like kind of like now has like the sheen over the tag team division where I feel like the tag team division for a long time was one of the more interesting parts of the company. And it, it's just like you have to look at the top and you look at what happened at all out. You look at what happened on the show 
And, and then you get the whole entire thing about them not doing title matches, and now they suddenly now do 20-minute TV title matches, and that's just just stylistically incoherent. Yeah, I so I I agree for the most part that that's not really working. I think I uh, disagree entirely on why it's not really working, because I think the dirty secret is they are well suited for the PW sprints, PWG sprints, and fitting into this style. It's just what we have here, folks, is a problem of Ludo narrative dissonance, where they keep telling us that's not our style. We our style is old school Southern tags. Our style is all this old four horsemen bullshit and all these old names that we can drop. And that's just not actually how the matches end up working, which I, I think is, you know, wise for the contemporary audience. But they just replaced, you know, the high spots and the flips and the shit from the PWG sprints with like uh, frequent tags and like uh, Southern heel spots that are novel because we don't see everybody else do them. So I think it 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 kind of half-assed works that way, but then it chafes against us because they keep telling us the total opposite, and they keep telling us that they're doing something they're not, and they just keep being annoying on the microphone and talking about uh, and annoying on Twitter and talking about their influence and shit. So I do think it doesn't work, but I don't really think the matches are the reason, or, or the, I don't think it's because the matches are bad. I think it's because the matches are, again, dissonant with what they're telling us is happening in the story. Because um, I, I can't, I kind of think the match was sneaky good. Again, I thought, uh, you know, it kind of overachieved for my expectations. Um, but I kind of, that's why I kind of am giving a chance to this new 20 minute gimmick they're doing. Because one, it's kind of funny the way that they're presenting it. And two, it kind of gives them just a more obvious heel tactic to break them away from this thing of, Oh, we're different from everybody else just because we use the tag rope. Woo. Like that's less interesting. But now we have a more obvious, like heel tactic that they can lean on. I just think that they they are. I so I disagree with everybody. I kind of agree and kind of disagree with everybody. I think they are exactly what they say they're not. Because I think what they are is uh spot monkeys. Except this is what I said. Well, their, their spots are old school Southern tag heel stuff instead yeah, of but being my, flipped. But my point is that none of the shit goes together. Like they are literally just doing spot after spot after spot. There's no coherence to the narrative of the matches. And that's, I don't know, maybe I am fucking agreeing with Nate. I don't know. But it is like, okay, the, the, the key to what you're telling us you want to do is uh, do, telling a coherent story where... This is the same problem they had in NXT, where you start by you're working over the arm, but then the arm has nothing to do with the rest of the match. And this is what they do. It's just like constant shit. They're just like spamming. It's like, I'm trying to think of like a, a good example of, it's basically a fucking thing where you're watching a uh, compilation, but it's just like the thing changes like every three seconds. You know, so it's like they took good Southern style tag matches, but they just cut up the spots and like mix them up and randomize them and then just played it over and over. And that's like the match that they put on. Uh, yeah. Just what they do means nothing, I guess is the, the point that I'm making. I don't know. I wish we had I wanna, crowds. I wanna... this, is time, this is a time we really need crowds. It's like, is anybody responding to FTR? I have no, no idea. 
I think it would, they would probably work better with crowds because I think people would be predisposed to booing them and then they would just have like some kind of heat that they could appeal to. Uh, but I, I want to amend what I said because I it occurred to me that the Ludo and Ludo narrative dissonant might be specific to video games. But the, you know, the 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 theme or the thrust of the word is the same. That the narrative that they're telling us is their character and their story doesn't match with the actual content of the matches. All right, my pick um, is, I think, I don't know, maybe it's a controversial one, but it's the Cody promo. I think everybody hated the first part. And then when he came back, I think everybody liked that part. And I thought that was the worst part of the promo. It was like, to me, he's lost all cool, even like in his own way, ace energy. And it's just like everything he does is cringe at this point. And especially like screaming, no, as in no regrets. I'm like, this fucking sucks, dude. <laughs> it's like, this is not good. Uh, so yeah, it's just, I hated the Cody promo. I thought it was bad. It, uh, it was for sure overwritten. The whole first part of it was, like you said, the like cringe melodramatic thing where, again, you you know you can see, see him sitting down with a notepad and writing out all these overly elegaic phrases or something. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just thought the end was good because it was the only part that felt like it had any real like emotional resonance from him. It just was, I think, better performed and felt like a real person effectively communicating passion instead of a person reading their overwritten script that they came up with earlier. It, it It's something that there is a l- level of melodrama that I feel like, like you just talked about crowds, A.B., that Cody needs to have feet off. And this was the shit they taped on last Friday. So there was piped in crowd noise and, I think there were people in the stands, but it wasn't like the idea of having an audience there. So like it's, it's something where like, it's hard for like stuff that Cody does to be able to tell, like, is this just cringe because I feel like it's cringe or is it something like when he was like talking and did that promo of Jericho where he says, if he lost the title, he was not, if he lost the match, you'd never challenge for the title that does. And he called him like a dick. Well, like, like, which is just like a preposterous thing to say on national television when you're angry at someone's like, you're a dick. And but it works. The crowd bought into it, and it's just so hard to tell. And and it's not like me excusing it. It's just one of those things that I feel like that we're getting like unfiltered things that there's no sort of reinforcement or yes or no unless we see actual like viewership data and they change it based on the viewership data. So like I can't tell, but I came out of this like, and then we had the long brawl, the really long brawl that like at the, at the end of it, I was like, oh, that's what we're doing like this, and just was kind of like. At the end of that, I was like, all right, so we're having a match that you're giving away on TV. So, <laughs> so like that that was kind of like my big takeaway from that. I like the brawl. The brawl felt actually hot. I, I, I don't know. I I mean, I think that the like all the melodramatic Cody stuff is not good, but I also think it's kind of central to what normal AEW fans like about him. Right. I yeah. I, I yeah, like like you're saying, Mike, I think if we had a crowd, we would know better. But my guess is if we had a crowd and it was the AEW fans that we had back when we had crowds, I'm pretty sure they'd be really into it really behind him. So, Well, I'm not really a fan of melodrama, but I love drama. And that's why I plop down some bets over at my bookie. Uh, I invite everyone else to do the same. You can get a 100% deposit match up to $1,000 by using the promo code ELATE. 
elite. I said elite funny. And I've actually done this, folks. So seriously, if you put in 100 bucks, they give you a free 100 bucks to mess around with. So uh, highly recommended. We got NBA playoffs, baseball playoffs. We got NHL's over, right? Uh, but uh, football now is going on, NFL and college. And let me tell you about this. Okay, I did this on Saturday. They sometimes post these things called odds boosts. Oh, yeah, let's get into this. This was fun. Yeah, so they'll give you some wild stuff. Like, for example, one of the bets was in the Packers versus Saints game, will both teams score? So you just needed both teams to score in any way, and you bet your – I bet my 10 bucks. They gave me 10 bucks when it happened. So you got if you play it smartly and you kind of wait for them to post these odd boosts, I I think on on Saturday you could have made – 180 bucks uh, just off of betting all the odds boosts. So, you know, yeah, I mean, some of those odd boosts, to be fair, they do have a couple of gotchas on there. There, yeah. there, there, there was a uh, Florida state uh, plus 15 against Miami, which of course did not happen whatsoever, but it was, it, right. it's only like they, they constantly do these contests. Like right now I'm not a big NFL guy, but they sometimes will like throw out like free entries into their NFL survivor. So like, I've been like doing NFL survivor and it's like a free pool, like the, the last people remaining get $50,000. So like, there's all kinds of stuff that goes on there. AB, I know you kind of also got a little bit into some of the other games you can play on my bookie as well. Yeah, uh, they do free blackjack tournaments like every day. And they give you like $2,000 in chips or whatever. And so my thing has been to just bet it all on one hand and just see if I can keep doubling up, you know? And I figure either that'll happen and I'll make it into the top of this thing because it's like only the top 10 places pay or i just lose quickly and i can just move on with my life uh but yeah there's lots of lots of ways to uh, try to make a little money over at, at my bookie so i encourage everyone go over there use the promo code elite and you'll get a 100 deposit match up to a thousand dollars so again you put in a hundred bucks they give you a hundred extra bucks so head over to my bookie use the promo code elite all right ratings time AEW up slightly in total viewers from 835 to 866,000. Uh, also up slightly in the demo because they went from a 0.32 to a 0.33. But that, but there were way more demo viewers watching TV on this night. So that dropped them actually to 12th in the demo. So I guess uh, no celebration for Tony Khan, who's told us that if they're in the top 10, I believe, uh, they celebrate. So NXT also up slightly to 732,000 from 696. Uh, but they were, and slightly up in the demo to 0.19, but down to 50th. So you can see that there were a lot more people watching TV on this night than on usual Wednesday nights. Yeah, so the the big thing this this Wednesday was South Park had a season premiere, and South Park season premieres. I, I know you're shaking, I see you're shaking your head, Bentley. It's fucking and 2020. People are still like coming out for South Park. People love South Park. People love South Park, and they love the season premieres. It won Insane. the night. And then... Interestingly enough, the NBA Finals had game one going up against this, but NBA Finals ratings were down 50%. But you also had all these baseball playoffs. I mean, like there was a a rain delay that finished in the top 10. But after like the uh, after South Park, after baseball playoffs, and then after the news, there you had AEW. So like out of like everything out there, it's not anything that I would be really angry at specifically. I mean, NXC almost dropping out of the top 50. That's something that like you're doing better, but hey, everyone else is watching something else. And I mean, going from ninth to twelfth is like okay. They're not like popping bottles, but going from thirty eighth to fiftieth when you're doing better, 
like like that's a kick to the stomach like that stinks and the the one like big thing that i thought was interesting the biggest demo change between the two shows was aew was up 0.04 from 0.40 to 0.44 and a min 18 to 49 so like everything else kind of stayed flat but that was like one of the big like things and then uh, next week technically starts a uh, year two in tv and for our patreon subscribers if you want to subscribe to our patreon i do have a spreadsheet where i have everything laid out and i have everything together it has all my projections on there and there's a link to it in the patreon so check it out there because i'm starting a new page for 2020 and 2021 for year two Try folks, subscribe and get page two of the spreadsheet. <laughs> hey, and page one, Nate. Don't undersell this. We're not taking. We're well, not deleting you, page one, buddy. No, sure, no, no. But you know, you gotta, you gotta. Uh, the draw is what's new and exciting. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, I guess I, we also should mention. You know, there was a a big article in Variety this week about AEW, indicating that Warner Media is uh, basically over the moon with. AEW very excited with how they're producing so far. Yeah, I mean their their viewership is increasing uh, in the demo over the COVID period, which is like pretty remarkable considering you know the potential challenges that could have faced. Um, so yeah, you have to imagine they're happy. They uh, you know the challenge for this company in general was going to be finding growth when they have so much to work against on the perception of pro wrestling in the United States. Uh, you know, because of the state of it over the last 20 years or whatever. Um, so yeah, they can just keep chipping away at that general public audience and, uh, Warner media pushing them hard on the playoff games and everything else. So, uh, you know, it, it seems like they have a lot of faith in them. And the Warner media guy was also suggesting at least that they're going to try to push AW to other, uh, other things they have across Warner media. So to try to integrate them into other things. So if that's true, yeah, I think you're right. Now you can if you pick up a few viewers here and there from the from the general public. Uh, they could keep growing. I I mean, to me, they're on a collision course to beat Raw and SmackDown. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to happen in 2021, but it's coming soon. Okay, let's get into week 52 of the show. Uh, the first thing we see is Ricky Starks coming out. Then we go to a Darby video. Apparently, JPEG Mafia is uh, the the star of this video. Uh, this was basically a show that just outed me as uh, a pop culture idiot. So JPEG Mafia, one of these, you know, cool art rappers, um, you know, uh, of the new, of the new um, generation, I guess, of rappers, as you can tell by his name, is very like. I don't know, maybe even call like C-Punk adjacent. Um, but I, I do think like a pretty weird choice, a pretty cool thing to do is like Darby's not in the video at all. They just have a famous cool rapper cut a promo on Darby's opponent uh, and then like like imitate a Darby stunt, which I have to imagine is like unique in professional wrestling. Uh, and kind of, it, But it's definitely a flex and I think it was pretty cool. Like they had like nowhere else in the history of media have JPEG Mafia and Billy Mitchell shared a billing before. <laughs> and that's just uh, kind of amazing. Yeah. I mean, imagine, you know, in WWE, if it was like, oh, we got, you know, Method Man to cut this pro, it would be like the dorkiest shit. You know, like it'd be cool because it was Method Man, but they would write something really dumb for him to say. But this felt like uh, genuine and. Also, it, I was like, oh, JPEG Mafia is a pretty good promo. Like, 
Yeah. Uh, all right. And then this led right into Darby defeating Ricky Starks with the coffin drop in the middle of the match. Uh, Brian Cage tried to come out and get involved, but Will Hobbs came out and stopped his ass. And uh, right after this was when uh, Alkaline Trio Cody came out. Uh, he was out there with Dasha. Uh, he name dropped fucking Al Snow for some reason. Uh, it's as I was writing, you know, as I'm like transcribing this promo, it's like none of it went together. It was like when I write a brief and it's like I write all the parts separately, and then I'm like, fuck, I got to figure out like some transition sentences to get this to go together. Uh, so it was pretty weird. Uh, I, I I understood his theme. He took this advice from Al Snow, being that you never, you always wrestle hurt, but you never wrestled injured. Uh, and he was saying the injury that he felt in losing to Brody in three minutes or whatever was it injured his confidence, it injured his self perception of himself uh, as the ace. And then he had to go and do this television show, and he you know, didn't feel like himself and didn't feel like he belonged because yeah. he'd gotten his ass kicked basically. And was, you know, like an imitator. Cause he was out there representing AEW after being destroyed as he is. So I, I think the undercurrent kind of made sense. Um, but it, you, I, yeah, again, it's all overwritten, but it, 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 the, the bullet points are kind of there. It, it It's something where like, again, like this goes back to earlier delete that, it's something that like we're, we're kind of getting like the frameworks of these promos that like you could tell like it that people could go into a, gen a general direction like the rough drafts right now and this definitely kind of felt like a rough draft promo in a way and you, you know like the one thing that like I, I we've been saying is like he was like someone that like seeing ice and east and now they're acknowledging it but now he doesn't have the ace elevator he has like the ace wall that he walks out of but like he gets that now so like that was something that was like oh like it, it it's like weird like dark evil cody and then like the way they're promoting this match is like weird dark and evil just kind of like it's it's well, hurt by the fact that you can't tell he it's just not, changed he just changed his hair color guys it's not dark and he's evil. wearing what well, he ha he has like pocket chains yeah did he's you see like, the graphic the match graphic nate no yeah it's like they're they're they got uh, positioning this as like spooky well it's october well sure but it's happening way before Halloween. This match. Anyway, he, you know, he's it's dark side it's, Cody, I guess. It's spooky. It's like, spooky. He also, he also mispronounced Hikaru Shida's name somehow. Well, I don't know because I it definitely felt odd. Almost to the point that I was like, Hikaru? who did he say? Who Hikaru? Did he say? Yeah, some, some Hikaru. Yeah, I think he's or Hukari. I, I, I was I, like, no, he didn't say Hukari. He for sure did not say Hukari. <laughs> It was fucked up, whatever it was. I was like, what did he just say? I, but I thought there was, I think it was a point on this show where we're like, have we been saying her name wrong the whole time? So, yeah, yeah. Well, Dasha says it, uh, Hikaru, Hikaru. yeah, for sure. But I, I don't think, think, I think they might be right. And, well, I mean, okay, just because Cody is Cuban doesn't Japanese mean he can pronounce either. Japanese. <laughs> well, I probably, mean, maybe he can, maybe he can, he maybe. knows her. Maybe he should. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say she, he's probably heard her say her name more times than we have. Yes. Well, and, and I mean, I, I was a contestant on the Karashita dating game, so <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, did you guys see the the graphic they had of like uh, all the Latinx like members of AEW? Yes. It was like Cody was like front and center. And, well, well uh, he wasn't front and center. Well, uh, he was like he was like looming. He was looming. <laughs> uh, 
I was like, all yeah, right, they're, they're was, leaning into Cody being Cuban. I like it. I, I, yeah, I was, I, they should, they should be doing that more mostly because it, you know, sets the, sets the right people off, which you can see in the comments to that post. Yeah. <laughs> and we're talking, yeah, that was very amusing. I didn't know Brandon Cutler was uh, uh, Latinx. So that was also, uh, it was educational for me. There you go. Uh, so the, the news from this, I guess, was that he's accepting the dog collar match with Brody for next week. So uh, they're hot shot in that baby. Um, Brody Lee comes out. They brawl. The locker room comes out to break them apart. Brandy comes out and does a flip off the top rope onto the dark order. Uh, Anna J attacks Brandy. They brawl, but they get split up. Kylan King is one of the people doing the breaking up. And so Ty, Ty and, and Anna uh, are again paired together here. Yes. Uh, but then uh, Kylan was holding back Brandy. If you you got to be a big dark watcher to know about uh, to know everything about Kylan King, and then Nyla Rose just attacks Kylan King. Uh, this lays, was the best part, to be honest. Just like yeah. out of nowhere, Nyla Rose is like, "I'm getting into this," and just lays someone out. Like, I, I if there was more of like that chaos there, I would have been all for like the the fight. And like that was something that like I was zoning out, and then that happened. I was like, "Oh, all right, rad, let's go." Yeah, that's why I was good. Multiple multiple relationships playing out here. True. And I maybe that means Kylan King is going to get a dynamite match with, with Nyla. So that's fun. Uh, FTR and Tully were with Tony Schiavone. Uh, Cash, I believe, says, we did the best friends a favor. They weren't ready. They aren't on our level. Uh, he says, SCU, on the other hand, is one of the best tag teams in the world. They were the first tag team AEW tag champs, so we have to beat them to cement our legacy. Tony Schiavone asks about the Young Bucks. Dax says they've blown every title shot they ever had. They don't deserve another one. And so Tony asks who they're going to face at full gear. These are the questions I'm asking, Tony. And uh, Matt Jackson enters the shot to super kick Tony. And FTR is offended that he didn't try to attack them instead. I think that's, that's a really fun character thing that Matt didn't touch them and they were pissed off about it. That's good. Nick must have, must be in quarantine because he's, Nowhere to be seen on these shows. Um, was he even? He wasn't even on BTE either. No, he, he, he obviously didn't travel. Yeah, yeah. So um, I I talked about this on Light, I think, but it's interesting that it makes a lot of sense. They haven't had their big win. It makes a lot of sense for FTR to face the first tag team, but it's like SCU has been cooled off so much that it just didn't feel like a big match going into it. No, I thought it was a good TV defense. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, I think I think it worked for them. Uh, Dasha was with SCU. Dasha, I keep saying Dasha. My wife has a friend named Sasha, and so I, I try to use that. I think anything to explain away my bad. It's, it's not. It's not Sasha. No, she. No, it's Sasha. Huh. Which also makes me sometimes call Sasha Banks Sasha Banks. Very fucked. We're from Kentucky, dude. Uh, yeah. Scorpio and Kaz do like your classic like uh, 80s local promo here to get uh, hype for the match. Come on, baby. Yeah. And as they walk away, they pass Sean Spears, who's looking very perverted. And uh, he just says, uh, good luck in a very perverted way. Good luck. Good morning. <laughs> Sunday morning. I, I thought he would get involved in the match. And so I thought there's like the Tully thing. Yeah, no, I kind of yeah. like that they, they slow played it. And they're just like, put the idea in your mind. Yeah, yeah it's in my mind. Uh, and then we've already talked about the match, but FTR defeated 
SCU cash pinned Scorpio Sky when Tully tripped Scorpio and held his leg. Hangman was on commentary for this in a great shirt, uh, but it's just kind of uh, wearing out this whole Hangman thing. Yeah, so they had Hangman on commentary here. Um, and, you know, we kind of had this tension where I think what they're kind of doing with the outline of the story where Hangman still wants to tag and Kenny doesn't. Um, and, you know, Hangman's making some good points. It's like, well, he hasn't been wrestling any singles matches or anything. So that kind of says, you know, that his actual intents aren't as clear as he has been stating. I think that's kind of interesting. But then just the sad sack drunk character of Hangman is kind of just less interesting than the, um, you know, FTW drunk hold my beer Hangman was, uh, who was, you know, like spiteful in a cool badass way. So, I don't know. I guess that's sort of the tension of this whole Hangman story. But, they, you know, th- there was a lot of good sort of like intrigue relationship things on this show between like Sean Spears popping up there with FTR or like, you know, in the vicinity of FTR. Um, or like here you kind of have, they, they announced this eight-man singles tournament with Kenny Omega in it. That makes Hangman, you know, spit on it, spit out his drink. Um, and So that kind of advances that angle. And even like, you know, the Jericho and MJF stuff continuing is like a good, oh, where's that going? That's so that's an intriguing sort of thing. So I kind of halfway like it and I'm halfway like, I just want the, the cool hangman back. Yeah. So I don't know if you said all of them. Jungle Boy, Phoenix, Omega announced hangman was mad. Uh, I guess like I'm going to just do this quickly because I've bitched about this so many times and they clearly don't care. I like the tournament idea. But why have rankings if you have this tournament? That's the thing that I don't get about it. Now, if they come out and say we're doing seating and it's by the rankings, then that's good. Tony, if you're listening, do that. That'd be interesting. But it's like every title shot has to have a thing. And it can't just be the rankings aren't factored in at all. So yeah. I just I just don't understand that. They're just fake. They are. They're completely fake. That's why I basically ignore them. But when these things come up, it just irritates me. It, it, it's something like if the ratings were used, you could be like real interesting at the seating because there's like no way that Jungle Boy should be, it should be like highly ranked, and you could have like him versus Kenny Omega or him versus if Chris Jericho wanted to be in the tournament since he's the only other world champion, like he should like do like that. There's a lot of ways they could go with this to be like very interesting, like MJF coming in as the two seed. But I have no faith that that's going to happen. Next up was the uh, Jericho Isaiah Cassidy match. The Jericho one with an excellent Judas effect. Love the finish of this. I think uh, I think Isaiah Cassidy's taken three Judas effects on Dynamite now, and they've all been tremendous. Uh, the inner circle attacked that after it was over, but Mark Quinn came in. Matt Hardy had a chair. Jericho uh, attacked Luther, who was uh, you know at ringside, which cracked me up immediately. Uh, but then Hager attacked Serpentico, and I figured out where we were going, building well, up. Yeah. Th- th- this came out of Luther attacking Jericho during the match first. So yes, when, that's when the true. Brawl, yeah, when the brawl started, Jericho went back after him. And yeah, this is this is to build to uh, Hager and Jericho against Luther and Serpentico, a.k.a. the KS Project, for next week's show, which is just great. I, I think it's great, first of all, that we have an American promotion that is even like, Hey, we're, we're going to recognize the guy's 30th anniversary and have a special 30th anniversary match because that's novel. And then just him having against this, you know, well, his old running buddy is just kind of cute. It, it, it's like, 
and it's completely justified because the Chaos Project has not lost a match since they got together. They got to win again on Dark. And it's just interesting to see where they can go with this. Like, what's going to happen when you have, like, this kind of throw-together tag team of Hager and go against, like, this actual, like, tag team that's starting to gel? Like, I think we all know how it's going to go, but it's it's kind of like a fun matchup that they put together here. And it's, like, it, it's, again, another testament to Jericho saying that Jericho could do whatever he wants for, like, his 30th anniversary match. He wants to have a match with his old running buddy hey uh serpentico called luther the brother i never knew i had in his notes app post recently so <laughs> nate did you see luther's promo on dark no it's fucking hilarious you have to go back did he, and watch did he it. point at his head of course but it's just like <laughs> his voice really just like does not go with his whole thing mm. and it's just it's very funny so i mean it's probably like 30 seconds long so if you get a chance you know this match, this match rocks. I'm really looking forward to this match now. Yeah. Uh, Dasha is with the best friends. Uh, she says, hey, FTR, fuck with you all last week. Uh, FTR shows up and says that the best friends belong in the middle of the card. Uh, best friends uh, pretend they're going to come after them. And FTR flinches. And Orange Cassidy steps up and calls them weenies. Uh, at least FTR are like cowards like you know i appreciate that about their characters well yeah and that's the fun thing they're doing with their rule is you know contrary to what the babyface was doing they're too scared to wrestle somebody to a full match so they have this 20 minute out with the time limit thing you know puts them in direct opposition to the hangman and omega team and again also great that they have like you know simultaneously issues bubbling with both the best friends and the young bucks then Orange Cassidy defeated Preston Vance uh, with the beach break. I got to say, the, the Dark Order number thing, I'm, I'm over it. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't really mean anything. And it's like, and they go back and forth between calling the people like the name or the number. And it's just like, I just don't like it. I do. It, I like it. I, I think it's something where I like, I like having a delineation. I like having a ranking system within it. Like, What's going to happen if Alan Five Angels goes on a loose drink and he becomes a lower number than a Preston Vance? Like, there's ways to go with this. I thought this was a really fun squash match. Like, I felt like that it had, like, the right amounts of, like, Preston Vance is someone that you could tell they have plans for him, but not yet. And, you know, getting to see a beach break on national TV is a wild thing. Like, that move is gruesome. I just think it's cool that there's like continuity going back to the days of player Uno and player dose. And that's like carried on to this comedic Chili's evil Scientology cult on TNT on a weekly basis. That's fun to me. Luther has tweeted 30 years ago at I am Jericho. I made you squeal capital S like a little piggy. And then the Luther emojis. He's got a picture here of him making Jericho squeal like a little piggy. And then he says, quote, this is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. Tyler Durden. <laughs> <laughs> How can't you love this? <laughs> this is about uh, to be the main event. <laughs> uh, yeah, my only thing about the uh, Cassidy Vance match is like they clearly don't know what to do with, with this iteration of Orange Cassidy. It's just like, uh, go wrestle the Dark Order guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, maybe we give them a pass because it's like their roster's all fucked up at the moment. Yeah. But remember when Orange Cassidy was just like the guy standing in the back of a bathroom during a, <laughs> a backstage brawl? Yeah. <laughs> Opening the door, closing the door. Yeah. It was a long time ago. MJF is backstage. He walks into the Inner Circle's locker room. He has brought gifts to congratulate Jericho on his big win over Isaiah Cassidy. 
And it's uh, Inner Circle Satin Jackets that he's brought everyone, except Sammy. He's mad at Wardlow for not packing Sammy's jacket. Sammy uh, says, you know, he gets pissed. I was like, what are you doing here, Max? And Jericho, you know, interrupts Sammy and he's like, what are you doing here, Max? And this was a pretty uh, funny moment, I thought. It got a legit laugh out of me. Um, they do a thing about whether MJF should join the inner circle. Then they get mad at each other. Uh, but Jericho and MJF iron it out. Sammy says, what a loser. After MJF leaves him, Jericho says, perhaps he's not. Yeah, hmm. just weird. You know, they've had these fun little skits with MJF and Jericho. And now it seems like maybe they're going somewhere. And you also have the added intrigue of, oh, the inner circle doesn't seem to be on the same page about this MJF guy. And MJF, you know, did recently say maybe he needs to join a stable. That's so right. it's all kind of, that's all coming together. Uh, Britt Baker defeated, it returned to the ring to defeat Red Velvet, her first uh, in-ring match since her injury. Uh, Red Velvet, another dark star. If you're not watching AW Dark, you got to check it out. Not Dark Star 5, by the way, but... Dark Star Dark, 4. I'm sorry, not Dark Star 4. Um, yeah, she won with a, a neck breaker and then a boot to the face. Uh, and then Rebel brought her a glove uh, so she could do the lockjaw after the match. Uh, good little match, I thought. Yeah, like Red Velvet is actually good. And I feel like that they, like these two squash matches they had back to back, like, yeah, I would want to have something more substantive with like Britt Baker being back right now. But like, they were effective squash matches, and I was happy that Red Velvet, Red Velvet got a bigger opportunity, and she did a great job. Like this was a fun, this was like a fun little like three minute squash match, and Britt Baker got to kick someone in the face. That was funny. Uh, Eddie Kingston came out with uh, the Lucha Brothers. He says Mox put him in a bulldog choke, but he didn't tap. Uh, Mox was so pissed that he called Tony Khan and wanted a contract for another match. Uh, Kingston didn't want to wrestle him again. He was going to pick someone else for Mox to wrestle. Uh, but first, he wants to address with Bryce Rimsburg that Bryce called the match, and they've been friends for 18 years. And uh, Bryce, you know, ended the match, even though Eddie didn't quit. Uh, he's got the Lucha Bros there. They're going to attack Rimsburg, but Mox's music hits. And then Mox is kind of in the ring and, and uh, coming toward Eddie a little bit. And then we see the Butcher sneak up behind Mox. Uh, Eddie wants Mox's music cut, and then he reveals that the Butcher is going to be Mox's opponent. So this led into the AW World Championship match with John Moxley defeating the Butcher again with a Bulldog Choke. So he's uh, playing that up since he's won two matches in a row with the Bulldog Choke. So we'll see if that goes anywhere. Uh, MGF looks like such a dummy focusing now on the DDT now that we've now seen several times. He does not need to do that. And that just makes me more frustrated about that match. It's funny. That's like the only match he's won with a DDT. <laughs> I mean, recently, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, if you like the show and you want to support it, please head over to patreon.com slash everything elite. It's the beginning of the month. Best time. I mean, it's always a good time to subscribe because you get our back catalog at any time. Uh, I forget how many shows we've done, but it's a hundred and some, I think. It, it, it's at least a hundred shows, at yeah. least several hundred hours of content. Yeah. So it's all there for you. Uh, this week we went to the world of Choco Pro, Choco Pro for the team AEW versus team Choco Pro match. Uh, so we, we cover everything, literally everything elite folks. Uh, so we have that. Uh, we did our weekly light show, which uh, involves Mike and I previewing dynamite 
reviewing Dart. Nate gives us the recap of the vlogs. This week also featured a pretty long segment about uh, Alex Gracia's career, the Pink Dream, uh, and thinking about a potential This Is Alex Gracia episode. I thought you were going to say it featured a long, uh, long tangent on the Dream Home Builders Stadium Home at the site of the Jacksonville Jaguar Stadium. Which has no. been of great interest to me recently on the vlogs. I, so I, I really called that mystery. I, I really appreciated that, Nate, because I have been wondering about like where they've been shooting stuff like BT and also a shot of Brandy. I've been told that this might have been the best episode of Light we've ever done. Oh week. wow! High so, praise. We've done a lot of praise. them. Yeah, yeah. So we do that every week. Yeah, that's a weekly thing. Um, Monday, Mike's going to have a collective preview. Uh, you know, the GCW, the collective thing. Uh, so he'll have a big preview of that. It's a big indie weekend coming up. That's so right. I've got to get myself into it. Uh, I'm going to talk about all the shows that are going on there. Uh, I'm not going to do the Path of Greatness because I'm not going to pay Joe Lanza a quarter for that uh, trademark of his. So I'm not going to pay royalties on this, but I'll pick out what I think is worth watching from that, at least as of the time of recording, as they are constantly constantly announcing new stuff for that so that's which, monday which remember includes aw stars like john moxley who will be on the the blood sport show so uh sunny kiss will be on effie's big a brunch that's right so plenty of uh aw related uh content there also going on this month mike's going to do a collective review i believe uh a, a review with guests we're gonna get some guests with guests wow yes and when it's a big indie weekend when it's mike's big indie weekend it gets yeah. big and uh, to celebrate Chris Jericho's 30-year anniversary, Mike and I are going to be doing This Is Chris Jericho. The This Is seg or, uh, show is returning. It's been reworked a little bit, uh, but that's coming up this month. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I know. There's no way I'm going to be able to talk Nate into watching five old Chris Jericho matches. So Nate will not be on the show. No old wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we also have a Discord. So join it and come chat with Mike and me and uh, all our all our patrons in our discord uh it's a lot of fun so that's over at patreon.com slash everything elite five dollars gets you every audio we've ever done uh so yeah there you go next week on dynamite it is the 30 years of jericho anniversary celebration the ftw championship will be on the line brian cage will defend that against will hobbs the TNT championship will be on the line in the dog collar match with Brody Lee taking on Cody. And as we mentioned earlier, the Jericho and Hager team will take on the chaos project, Luther and Serpentico. Do y'all think that his hair will be dyed back to blonde for this uh, dog collar match? Knowing that like he came down, did this and I was coming back up to do, I assume more taping and then come down for this match. Like when you're doing a dog collar match, I want I'm real interested to see like how this match is going to go. Like I think I think now that he got his his phone call from Hollywood and now that he's no longer doing his weekly title defenses where he bleeds, I think he's going to stick with the the dark hair. Okay. I mean, that's a dog collar match. He's going to bleed a lot, right? I, I don't know. I think he might uh, you know, gotten a taste of the limelight and uh had a makeup artist. Wow, your your forehead's, you know, a lot of scar tissue here. So maybe he's he's thinking better of it. Why did you put this ugly fucking tattoo on your neck? <laughs> it's hard for us. It takes us a while to get that covered up. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. And I'm interested. So then 
you know, it's like Brian Cage has to go through Will Hobbs to get to Darby. So there's like these uh, competing, uh, these, I don't know, what am I, what am I, what do I want here? Yeah. They're next to each other. They're parallel. parallel. They're parallel stories that he's, will. He's illustrating the idea of parallel lines to us by waving his hands next to his head. <laughs> but then somehow as, they as have if, to intersect. So he's I don't doing, know. He's as doing as Wayne if, World. Well, well, I was going to say as if he was doing air traffic control for us, uh, like yeah. pulling the. Uh, for, the for the tank the, copter. Yeah, the tank <laughs> copter. Yeah, I mean. For, for landing. The next time the tank copter comes out, I need you to start doing this because you're telling I me that I can, I can back up and get ready, get my bullhorn ready to drop some takes. I will. Uh, and then, of course, on the October 14 show, which I believe is going to be the anniversary show or the, the Dynamite one year anniversary show. That's what they're calling it. It's a lie. Yes, it's a lie. The, this was the anniversary show. The one we, they just did, I think, because it was week 50. Or I guess the next one would be right. No, remember, they took a week off for Christmas. Oh, that's right. That's, that's right. Not, well, but they've done 52 shows. They've done a full right, year of shows. A full calendar year. It yeah. could be a calendar year. It shouldn't be the show number. Right. Well, the, the for an anniversary. October 2 was the first show, right? Yeah. Pretty sure that's right. Okay. But yeah. But anyway. I, ha- I have a notebook here that has everything that they've ever done. I should be able to say this. Yes, it was 10 to 2019. We've we've done a lot of these shows. Uh, I got a full notebook worth, <laughs> worth of our shows. On that show, they're going to do, for the men's world title, John Moxley defending against Lance Archer. So uh, we'll see what happens there and how they kind of get back on track with what they're doing for Mox for Full Gear, which is coming up on November 7th. Do you guys think think Full Gear will happen somewhere other than Daly's place? Kind of no. I mean, yeah, gut instinct is no, but I've noticed that there's been some uh, interesting language being used both by the company and by people who would know about the show like dave was really kind of cagey about it on like a report that went up this week i guess i just don't think moving somewhere else is going to make them enough money to justify it when they own daily's place yeah right like that's what boils down to and they can't do anything at uh at ta field because the football season and you're not going to want to just fuck up the grass like yeah i remember how i was gonna say like i remember how bad it was at the at Hard Rock Stadium when U2 came through and they had like this crazy ass stage that like completely ruined the field that like the Marlins had to go on extended road trips had to completely returf the field because it like killed half of the field. So like they're not going to do anything to mess up the field. It's just a bummer. I just want it to like look like a different place. That's really all. Just for my eyes, I would enjoy something different. Yeah, like aesthetically, I it, it's getting to like something where like, I mean, it's like a problem with, with like, I feel like there's not a lot of like, like I'm glad that Cody has his new dark Cody ace entrance because it give, does give us a little bit of difference in a way, but we have been kind of seeing the same thing and like understandably so, but it just kind of gets to us. Yeah. I, I think it's a bad look to complain about that when they're oh no, doing an outdoor, uh, outdoor tapings for good reason. I, I don't think the aesthetic concerns of going to a different building is worth the risk. You're both canceled. Um, you're the aesthetics guy, Nate, so I'm really disappointed. Actually. Right, and, I, and I'm not complaining. That's that's how you know you're way off base. Maybe you're just being off brand. You ever thought about that? Never off brand. <laughs> the, the brand is dictated by by my actions. <laughs> uh, no, you can't control your own brand, um, Nate. That's brand, not brand my brand is crisis. 
All right. Well, I don't know it, what that's a reference to, but it's a reference to something. I just figured <laughs> I was supposed to know it, and so I just like, oh, yeah, Nate, good one, bud. I, I, I appreciate mean, the g- backup. G- given how this the show went, and they trying to figure out like people being name dropped on the show, we've really like kind of exposed ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> like, I didn't. I didn't know JPEG Mafia, West Side Gun, or Billy Mitchell. So it was a or, bad show or Dark me. Star Four or Dark Star, Dark Star Four. I also fucked that up. Or the Take Copter. Yeah, luckily that was that was on you, Mike. <laughs> yeah, luckily, friend of the show, uh, Patrick Cosmos, schooled me on West Side Gun in the uh, in the Discord. So, uh, but I did know Benny the Butcher, so I feel okay about myself. Uh, but I'm and, now uh, gonna, gonna have to West Side, West Side Gun album with the Butcher and the Blade track uh, drops in about four hours. So check that out. Uh, of course, recording this on a Thursday. So if you're listening to this when it comes out, it dropped last night at 11 p.m. Central. Uh, also, 11 p.m. Central dropping the new Blackpink album. That's right. Their first quote-unquote full-length album, which, of course, in K-pop means it is eight songs long. <laughs> <laughs> We've already heard two of them. We've already heard two of them. Uh, but yeah, put those put those in your queue. Well, I'm going to see my mom tomorrow, so I'm going to download that album uh, now before we get on the road and uh, listen to it on the way. Check out the West Side Gun one. It's pretty good. I'll go ahead. I'll download that, too. Uh, uh, m- make sure you have the new chopped and screwed versions of the rap on your album too. <laughs> oh, I um, will. I've already made Sarah listen to uh, that that version. <laughs> oh, what well, what are SB's thoughts of this? Well, I explained the whole story to her. Like, like here's this song, the entire joke. I played her the song. I didn't, you know, I didn't play the whole thing. I, okay, I, we, we, this is like two inside of a joke. So. Uh, but- there's a, there's a song out there called the New Japan Fan Rap. Just type that into Google. Check it out. Uh, friend of the show. Well, okay. So on on Light, the show that we do on Patreon, I told Mike that I was going to make a chopped and screwed version of the New Japan because Fan Rap. Because at the time, I've never listened to it. I still have never listened to the original one. I have only listened to remixes of the New Japan Fan Rap. Yeah. So I don't know how to do that. So... Uh, Wicca phase texted me and said, here's how you chop and screw a song. And I was like, fuck you listen to light. If I knew like anybody <laughs> listened to this, I would say less dumb stuff. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I do. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. So but he's like, here's how you chop and screw a song. So I downloaded the thing he told me and tried to do it. And I just could not figure it out. All I could do was drop the pitch of the vocals and slow the song down. So our friend, uh, Patrick Cosmos is a very talented musician and producer. And he's like, ah, let me see if I can figure it out. And then he dropped the sickest chopped and screwed <laughs> version of the New Japan fan rap in our Discord. It's, not, I, it's honestly just actually good to listen to. Yeah, I, 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 I might put it up on the Patreon for. I was gonna say we should we should we should tag it on the end of light maybe for this week. Oh, um, yeah. So we so go. you'll have to check out the Patreon to hear that. Uh, but yeah, if you want uh, Patrick Cosmos music, he's at very important dot lawyer and has got his albums there. So check those out also. Yeah, and the Tonal Rotors album that is up on his Bandcamp is very good, so I encourage everybody to check it out. Um, yeah, it's very good. The the way, yeah, the punchline to the story when I told Sarah was like the fucked up thing is it's sick. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it now. No, I just like listen to it for no, fun. I'm, I'm, I'm actually fiending it off the call so I can put it on. <laughs> I'm gonna right, turn it on, and we have the uh, the Sonos speakers Whoa, in the house. Sonos household. 
Yeah, we're a Sonos household. So after we get off, I'm going to turn it on, but put it on downstairs where Sarah is and just like blast it. (laughs) That'll be fun. Okay. uh, If you want to hear more about uh, chopped and screwed versions of wrestling songs, go to at everything AEW on Twitter. Give us a follow. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, yeah. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review. And uh, please, if you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash everything elite. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.